When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Here's everything you might have missed in the Dune Part 2 trailer. Welcome back to Nerdist News, I'm Dan Casey, and today we're diving back into the Dooniverse with the latest trailer for Dune Part 2. We're still a couple months away from the film's release on March 1st, 2024, but after a spicy appearance by the cast at CCXP in Brazil, and a surprise screening of the first 10 minutes of the movie, we can't wait to see the conclusive second half of Dune. And today we're going to break down everything that we spotted in this latest trailer. Now, of course, if you want to read all about it, we've got you covered over on Nerdist.com. But before we peer too far into the future, we need to add that Dune is produced by our cool corporate dad, Legendary. With that said, we're all big Dunatics here anyway, so we'd be talking about this regardless. Now, with that out of the way, we're walking without rhythm into spoiler territory, not just for the movie, but the book as well. So if you don't want anything ruining your prescient visions of the future, close your inner and outer eyes and get out of here. Consider what you're about to do, Paul Atreides. Silence! Okay, let's get into it, shall we? The last trailer we saw ended with a massive atomic explosion and Paul looking like he's in an Oppenheimer security hearing. This latest trailer immediately begins with the same scene. Not from Oppenheimer, but with the, the big boom. We can see the Padisha Emperor's encampment underneath his giant chrome ship, but it is nothing compared to the scale of the shield wall explosion behind it. The shield wall is a natural barrier on the planet Arrakis that protects these cities from the open desert where the giant sandworms live. Paul uses his family atomics to breach the wall, allowing legions of Fremen sandriders atop these sandworms into the battle that we see much later in the trailer. In the Duniverse, atomic weapons still exist, but they're held in check by something called the Great Convention. Similar to the concept of mutual assured destruction from the Cold War, the Great Convention rules that the use of atomics against humans shall be cause for planetary obliteration. Pretty chill. So if one royal house uses their atomic weapons against others, the remaining royal houses combine their atomic stockpiles and destroy the offending house entirely. But Paul plays fast and loose with the rules by only destroying a natural feature of the desert and not directly killing anybody, a point he believes won't technically violate the Great Convention. However, later in the trailer, we do get a shot of what appears to be the same explosion, sending boulders and debris onto the Sardaukar. Now, I'm no souk doctor, but I'm pretty sure those soldiers are straight up dead. They're gonna be Desert Jackson Pollock paintings. Paul suddenly wakes in a Fremen still tent. Lying beside him, Chani comforts him and asks Paul about his nightmares, unaware of the scope of his visions. It's the unique combination of Paul's genes, his mentat abilities, and the spice melange that gives Paul his visions of the future. 
In the book, Thufir Hawat, the Mentat and Master of Assassins for House Atreides, had been training Paul to become a Mentat himself. It's basically a human computer. In Dune Part 1, we saw how Thufir can rapidly calculate the cost of space travel for the Herald of the Change. Three guild navigators, a total of 1.46 million 62 salaries. But can he see why kids love cinnamon spice melange crunch? No. No, he can't. Paul's abilities, on the other hand, let him calculate his inescapable fate of releasing a holy war across the universe no matter what he does. Damn. From there, we see a thumper pounding the sand, sending out ripples in Paul's visions of time. He sees flashes of himself running towards someone on a dune, the water of life, a phalanx of Sardaukar soldiers, Princess Irulan, an explosion of the Emperor's fortress, Baron Harkonnen's nephew, Fade Rautha, and a giant battle of Fremen charging the Emperor's keep. But the real question is, will these scenes play out like we see them here? Paul says that none of his visions are fully clear. In the book, Paul sees the past, present, and future like the crests and valleys of dunes, like waves on an ocean forever changing. In Dune Part 1, Paul caught glimpses of a befriended Jameis from a potential future where Paul didn't have to kill him. And in this trailer, we see the Fremen flying a slightly different flag than what we saw in Dune Part 1. And that means that Paul's visions are definitely malleable. Later, Paul says that he sees multiple futures where his enemies prevail. He confesses that he does see a narrow possibility to survive, but it may lead him down a dark path of terrible purpose. Just like the Gamjabar test in the first movie, Paul must withstand the trap that time has left for him. It's in the box. Pain. Next, we see a Fremen ambush on a Harkonnen spice harvester. Paul explains to Chani that he wants to fight with and be an equal among the Fremen. The Fremen have been fighting the Harkonnens for the last 80-something years here on Arrakis. But House Atreides has been battling with the Harkonnens since the beginning of the Imperium over the course of literal centuries. But as much as Paul tries to fight side by side with the Fremen, he can't avoid the Fremen revering him as their promised messiah. In one of the Fremen sieges, we see Paul in front of the Council of Naibs, the leaders of all the Fremen tribes. Paul seemingly fulfills the prophecy of the Fremen's Mahdi, a prophecy planted ages ago by the Bene Gesserit as part of their Missionaria Protectiva. That means the Bene Gesserit have been at work here. You see what they've been told to see? But not all of the Fremen are convinced, especially Chani, who knows Paul for who he really is. Paul and Chani do fall in love, but as Paul's influence over the Fremen grows, she understands that he conveniently fits into a story told to the Fremen. This prophecy is how they enslave us! We know that Chani will have an expanded role in the movie compared to the book, and it seems like she's going to give voice to Frank Herbert's moral of the story, that one should be cautious of charismatic leaders, especially if they're a quirked-up white boy goaded with the sauce. Next up, we see Paul's mother, the Lady Jessica, now a full reverend mother. She has gone through the spice agony, the process by which a Bene Gesserit sister drinks the highly toxic and ironically named Water of Life, which is actually the bile of a young sandworm. A Bene Gesserit sister only becomes a reverend mother by surviving and metabolizing the poison into a benign substance. In the Fremen version of this ceremony, the Fremen then drink the changed water of life and participate in something our editor Matt won't stop calling Spice Wide Shut, if you know what he means. And if you do, gross. I'm sorry, is there something I'm missing here? 
The robed priestesses around her are Syedina, holy Fremen women who have not yet become full reverend mothers. Sometime long ago on Arrakis, the Bene Gesserit would have spread these seeds of religion and superstition as a way to ensure that any Bene Gesserit sister would find safety among the Fremen people. The Syedina, as well as the wild reverend mother Ramallah from the previous trailer, continue the lessons of the Bene Gesserit. Jessica will wield the tools of religion and prophecy to ensure the rise of her son Paul. We gave them something to hope for. That's not hope! As Paul leads the Fremen in a guerrilla war against the Harkonnens, we see ornithopter bombing raids over Arakeen and also some destroying entire sieges. The Padisha Emperor Shaddam Karino IV then tells a robed figure, most likely a Bene Gesserit sister, to assassinate the prophet who leads the Fremen revolt. And who better to kill with a blade than the Baron Harkonnen's young nephew, Fade? We see Fade on Gaiety Prime choosing his poisoned white blade from the Harkonnen slave master just as he slices the throat of an unwitting servant. In this murder case, it's clear the Austin Butler did it. I said. We get a few more shots as well of the Harkonnen gladiatorial arena that we saw in previous trailers. Unfortunately, this trailer confirms the captured Atreides soldier, Lieutenant Lanville, does not survive his fight with Fade. Lieutenant Lanville is played by stunt choreographer Roger Yuan, so we're still excited to see this duel as a proper send-off for Roger and his amazing work. The trailer then teases another showdown with the Harkonnen, and this one not originally from the book, Gurney Halleck versus the Beast Raban. At one point, Gurney had been a Harkonnen slave, and the Beast Raban gave Gurney the inkvine scar on his left cheek. After the Harkonnens wiped out the Atreides in Dune Part 1, Gurney found sanctuary with the spice smugglers on Arrakis, just to bide his time until he could get his revenge on the Harkonnens and say hello again to his favorite young pup. You young pup. And finally, the trailer kicks into high gear with the climactic battle between Paul's Fremen army of Fedaikin soldiers and the Emperor's fanatical Sardaukar. After the shield wall is destroyed, monstrous sandworms charge from the dust storm with legions of Fremen riding on top. As Paul rises as a leader and unleashes the Fremen against the Imperium, we hear the Reverend Mother Mohayim explain to Princess Irulan that Paul is an ultimate power that even the Bene Gesserit cannot control. Paul, who is trained in the Bene Gesserit ways by his mother, combined with his other powers and skills, even uses the voice on Mohayim, shocking her into submission. Consider what you're about to do, Paul Atreides. Silence! Yeah, where's that glass of water now? By this point, Paul has become something else, far different than what anyone could have expected. But he still returns to tell Chani that he will love her as long as he breathes, trying to show that he still has some humanity left. But if you really want the answer to, would you love me if I was a worm? You just have to wait for God Emperor of Dune in like 2030 or something. Is that a worm? Big one. And lastly, for some time now, we've been on Aaliyah Watch. We saw visions of Paul's little sister Aaliyah back in Dune Part 1, but where the hell is she in Dune Part 2? Our favorite knife-wielding murder toddler is still nowhere to be seen, but at the end of the trailer, we do see a shadowy figure walking in the desert as we hear a mysterious voice warning Paul that he's not prepared for what's to come. So whose voice is that? You can't know that. We'll just have to wait and see which visions of the future come true when Dune Part 2 hits theaters on March 1st. Anyway, folks, there you have it. That's everything you might have missed in the new Dune Part 2 trailer. If you want even more Dune news and theories, make sure you go check out all of our coverage over on Nerdist. But for now, tell us, what do you think? Whose voice is that at the end of the trailer? And would you rather drink the water of life or the lemonade that kills you? <laughs> Let us know in the comments below, and for the spiciest news in the world of pop culture, stay tuned to Nerdist.com.